the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, We're at episode 369, our very first episode for 2018. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Spain. I'm Steve Biddle. And I'm Michael Murphy. Welcome along, gentlemen. Uh, Thank you for uh, coming on the show. Uh, First time for both of you. Now, we're here in Las Vegas for uh, CES. Uh, Previously, once upon a time, it was stood for the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, These days, CES stands for nothing um, other than lots of tech, gadgetry, AI, uh, anything that's vaguely tech-related, right? Um, I mean, there's, there's... Lots of things that we've seen here, um, Michael. Your first time, and we're still uh, we're still here right at the beginning of um, of the show. In fact, as we're recording this, the show hasn't even opened to the the public. What are your first impressions, just from from what you've seen so far? Well, I've seen obviously quite a bit um, at CES so far. Um, so one of the main things I was quite interested in is um, obviously all the TVs and all that that LG have just released. Um, it's also quite interesting, and also even Sony um, with your new TVs as well. Cool. Um, now, I just forgot when, at the beginning, we didn't get a sort of an update or an insight from either of you of two. Where do you fit into this world of of uh, technology in New Zealand? So uh, maybe, Michael, you can uh, just give us a rundown. Well, I'm actually one of the Geekzone moderators, um, which a lot of people kind of know. Um, also, I'm quite big on the Internet of Things um, type thing online and also just reviewing routers and all sorts of other stuff yeah you uh, you, you got a pretty broad broad knowledge across the tech world um and steve so i work as a network engineer for an isp and uh do a lot of wireless deployments and phone systems and i'm also a moderator on Geekzone as well and pretty much have a interest in anything that uh has LEDs or makes noises. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your first time at CES, no, is I've it? No, I've been here before. Yeah, yep, cool, cool. Well, let's uh, let's jump into the talking points. There's a lot a lot to chat through. Most of it is very much about um, CES. There's one or, one or two announcements that have been made uh, pre CES, or you know, bits of news that are that are slightly outside of um, CES, but. Uh, most uh, most of the news this week and what's going on seems to uh, uh, in some way be uh, tied through to um, CES. Now, um, Panasonic had uh, had their uh, press conference. Um, Steve, you picked up one or two things around around that. Yeah, so Panasonic, um, one of the, I mean, obviously in our part of the world, we know them primarily. Um, I guess for consumer electronics, but in this part of the world, they're very big on um, solutions for smart cities and seem to be putting a lot of resources into that as well with a few US cities that they've uh, they've announced some partnerships with. Um, They also did announce some car audio, sort of car entertainment solutions, but it was actually a little bit interesting at their press conference how they came out and... um, Put one of the guys on from Amazon talking about their Alexa-powered solution and demonstrated that. Um, went off to another this few. Is, this is in the uh, in the new TV. Uh, no, this is in the um, car audio. Oh, so oh, okay. So having okay. it in your car, right. so you can um, just ask it 
um, what the weather is, just your everything that's that's eco based worked okay. on that. For some reason, I thought they were putting it in their TV. I missed a missed a trick there. Okay, yeah. So yeah, so they've they've got that in their car audio, but then they demonstrated their TVs, and next thing you know, they're calling up the guy from Google to uh, appear on on the stage, and they also have Google Assistant in all their car audio products as well. <laughs> So they didn't seem to explain, though, whether they've got a product that's compatible with both or whether they're launching um, two different solutions. So it will be interesting to see where they go with that. Ah, okay. Well, that is interesting. And, you know, I think there's definitely some... um some good things if we're if we're seeing vendors like Panasonic actually you know dealing with the different um, AI ecosystems or assistant sort of ecosystems, you get that choice as a as a customer because it you know in a lot of cases we've certainly seen in the past where yeah one vendor aligns with with one or or another and um, you know there's a lot of potential for that to make things pretty difficult for people right whereas if everything's compatible with every every ecosystem uh i think that will be pretty good for for the customer right yeah it will be and i mean we saw at the sony um launch tonight as well that sony have got uh products where they're offering both alexa and google assistant and i mean definitely this year is going to be the year of the smart speaker smart assistant whatever you want to call it Mm. and virtually every headphone vendor seems to be including support for it Um, you've now got all of the major manufacturers announced tvs that have got support for it as well so we're we're very much into the era this year of voice control of pretty much everything in your house and there's some pretty impressive stats we saw on the market for um, smart speakers or um, for the next couple of years for growth before it starts plateauing out. So it's going to be very interesting to see where things go, particularly when you look at Google Assistant with um, Google Home now only being, I guess, 12, 13 months old since it came out and you've already got a pretty significant market with a lot of third-party players who have announced products here as well yeah well you know i think as we've seen the uh the price point come down and we've got now uh you know reasonably low cost sort of you know, retail around 50 us uh price uh points for these smart speakers that are smart assistants and yeah, by all accounts, there's been many millions of uh, of these sold, and here in the US, they've been uh, really pushing them hard with specials uh, across both the, the Google Home Mini and the um, uh, Amazon's Echo. What's the uh, one called? The little one, Echo Mini, I like think. Echo Dot. Echo Dot. That's it. That's it. Uh, I'm trying to remember all these names. Um, you know, across those, I've been. Probably tens of millions of those actually actually sold here in the in the US um, over that sort of Christmas type uh, type period. I think certainly I saw lots in, in retailers of these units. They seem to be flying off the shelves. And was it Google that confirmed something like eight million units that they'd uh, they they'd sold? So yeah, very very much a sort of hot category. And more and more, I'm hearing people saying, "Look, they're putting one of these little speakers in not not necessarily every room, but multiple rooms around the house. So they can walk into the kitchen and talk to the speaker. 
and you know it'll either feed them back what they're asking or create an appointment for them and a calendar, whatever you've got it set up to do, uh, or the entertainment stuff in terms of playing music, which uh, yeah, I guess being a, a speaker is probably going to be one of the biggest things is playing music, listening to podcasts and so on, right? Yeah, and it was interesting. I recall seeing uh, one of the press conferences too um, that playing music is still the predominant feature uh, that people are using on both of them. That's the the main use. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the market goes. I mean, I've had a Google Home for um, since about February last year, and find it something that's quite useful to have. I wouldn't say. Um, that I couldn't live without it, um, but it's it's a very cool gadget to have, and it's certainly um, yeah. There's a lot of competition going on between both uh, Amazon and Google, and even looking at the monorail here, there's quite a few of them uh, travelling around that have all been um, Google advertising over them, and a few of the big billboards around here with um, with Google Assistant advertising on them. So it's a space that. Um, I guess both companies are used to dominating in, in, in the markets that they play in, so it's going to be very interesting to see how things play out in the next year uh, between both of them, and certainly companies that are building products are definitely hedging their um, bets at the moment and developing for both of them. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be exciting, plenty of competition, and uh, yeah, Microsoft in there uh, dabbling away with their uh, Cortana platform, which who knows if New Zealand will uh, will be supported anytime soon on uh, on that one. But they've got uh, they've got a smart speaker uh, out as well, and uh, that's something I'll talk about in a in a future episode. I've got one of one of those amongst uh, the other products as well. Um, and in terms of other things at um, well from from Panasonic, I mean there seems lots and bits and pieces going on. Uh, camera fans who might be interested in their uh, their GH5, they've given that a refresh uh, to one that handles uh, very low light uh, situations. And for those who are really into top notch video, uh, and for from a home entertainment perspective, they've refreshed their um, ultra high definition uh, Blu-ray players. And in there, they're supporting the um, HDR uh, 10 plus standard. I guess it sort of you know, highlights part of the challenge when you're not uh, utilizing just software. You've got to refresh and replace these gadgets on a pretty regular basis, don't you, with new updates coming or new new versions coming through? Yeah, well, I mean, that seems to be the issue with TVs where you look in the past um, few years with everybody's smart TVs and you. The, the whole issue of firmware updates for your TV now has become a big deal, especially uh, when you look at people who've now got three-year-old TVs and running old YouTube APIs that now no longer work. And I, I think it's something that the the vendors themselves, um, the, I guess a TV will last people 10 years these days, but um, it's how long you should expect that to be supported for. It's um, it's just especially where with these smart TVs and the features in them, um, there's certainly be some interesting uh, um, challenges for for people if you're getting bugs and so on in your TVs, especially with all these um, smart features in them now. 
Yeah, I mean, I I was certainly in the early days of uh, smart TVs. I was not not a fan. It just seemed uh, nuts to put a bit of smart intelligence into your TV, basically a computer inside your TV, because we do re- replace that stuff a lot more than our screens. Um, that said, I'm now using a screen that must be, I'm guessing, probably at least three years old, um, around that sort of time, and it, you know, smart TV and yeah, I'm not just using Apple TV and, you know, varying other um, gadgets that are hooked into it. Um, you know, we do use the smart TV capability. It's, you know, it, it does uh, Netflix and the like, YouTube, and, and it does it reasonably well. So, um, you know, that's that's okay. But, yeah, give it another, say, three years. It will still be a really nice TV, but how useful the um, the built-in software will be, that would be a, be a different question. And, yeah, certainly I'm someone that's gets kept TVs for more than the, the typical lifespan of um, you know other other bits of tech that you you plug in. Michael, what do you use from um, a TV perspective? Are you a smart TV user at all? Yes, I have personally got a um, Panasonic smart TV. Um, it's about two years old now. However, I've noticed that the problem now is it's not actually getting any firmware updates or any new features or anything. And also the whole operating system itself does run quite slow on top of it as well. And I think that's kind of one of the main problems with smart TVs you know, going forward is how long the vendors are going to be supporting them. Mm. Um, personally, what I've ended up doing is just hooking up an NVIDIA Shield to it and um, using that for all my smart features now. So like the Chromecast, you know, Netflix, even Hulu and all that sort of stuff on it as well. Yeah, and it and it's, you know, always remains the option, doesn't it, as long as you've... Uh uh, yeah, you've got something suitable to plug in, then um, then away you go. Yeah, I think it's the perfect opportunity for somebody to actually create a uh, high-end TV that isn't a smart TV. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure whether it'll happen because once you get into those higher-end TVs, anyway, it costs very little to add on. Yeah, the smart type features. But, yeah, you, it ten, tends to be the case. So, um, but who who knows? Uh, now on to other announcements. HTC Vive Pro. So, uh, if you're interested in in virtual reality, uh, maybe you've got the existing um, Vive. This step, steps up the resolution uh, chunk twenty eight eighty by uh, sixteen hundred. And also uh, coming this year, they've announced a, a wireless adapter, so you can sort of untether from that physical connection uh, back to your PC, which I think makes uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, GoPro. Now, this is probably a little bit outside of CES, but they've been having a few, you know, challenges. They, you know, I think they kind of got to the the point where they they kind of hit most of the extreme sports people and. Uh, you know their existing market and then they've been trying to work out well how do we grow to be a, a much broader general sort of consumer play uh, with the with the product and that's probably where they're coming a you know a little bit unstuck because their products aren't necessarily super cheap and then they've also moved into uh, drones of course and uh, they had a few issues with drones falling out of the sky after launching them um, so that hasn't worked out too well so um, yeah they're uh, they're letting letting go uh, a bunch of staff uh, exiting that uh, the drone uh, market maybe you know I think they're, they're maybe hoping to uh, to sell off their, their drone uh, business unit but it sounds like they've already let a lot of staff go from that side. 
um, and potentially putting the whole uh, the whole company uh, up for sale as well as as a as a possibility. Any uh, any thoughts on this, guys? Either of you sort of had a had an interest in in GoPro and uh, what they're doing? No, well, I've it's not something I've actually ever owned, um, but it's it's obviously fascinating to watch the company go the way it's done, especially when you, you I guess you look at a lot of analysts a few years ago when we sort of reached peak GoPro and everybody questioning then how GoPro would survive going forward trying to sell a product when the Chinese competitors had managed to deliver something that was 99% as good for a quarter of the price or in fact even a tenth of the price for some of the yeah, cheaper units. Yeah, I think those cheap ones are, are pretty shoddy, pretty shonky oh, terms of, in terms of what they Yeah, what probably they, the, the cheap ones, but you had a market where they were they were relying on their brand to sell a premium product so they could afford to pay all the people they were sponsoring. And that market's just been eaten by, by lower-cost um, competitors and they've tried to innovate, um, diversify, but that just doesn't seem to work that well for them. And something else that I've also found as well, there's been a whole lot more competition out there lately and not too much innovation from GoPro themselves. Um, for example, you've got the RX-0 from Sony, um, which is pretty much a digital SLR um, in you know, a GoPro kind of form. Very, very high-end sort of um, video, but in, a, as you say, a GoPro-style form, quite a small form factor. And in fact, we saw you know, uh, the demonstration of, of that technology and sort of showing off what the potential of it was uh, at Sony's uh, press conference tonight. Interestingly, that one doesn't support... Um, you know 4k and a you know other than if you're you know running out of the hdmi uh cable or running out externally so it can't save for 4k um the newest go gopro uh the gopro black 6 i've been using over the past um uh, probably couple of months since they've launched it and i found that they as i've dived into using it more while i've been in the us i found that the the software and it was a bit flaky, but they seem to have addressed most of that with uh, with firmware updates. I'm sure that sort of stuff doesn't help them either. Um, but it's going to be very interesting to see sort of what happens. Do they manage to sort of right the ship and maybe downsize to be about the right size to be able to operate profitably? Um, or will they get gobbled up by a bigger entity that would quite you know like to have that uh, brand as uh, as part of part of what they do? But yeah, you know, I certainly hope they stick around because they've done some good stuff. And um, yeah, I've been pretty impressed actually with with the GoPro using it over the uh, over the last few weeks, attaching it to the car, and uh, you know getting time lapse uh, photography out the window at some of the uh, national parks here uh, in the US. And um, yeah, it does definitely does a does a good job. That's for sure. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, um, on to other uh, other things. So it's two um, two probably of the the more interesting um, press conferences today were Samsung and um, probably to a lesser extent um, Sony or you could say to a greater extent I guess it sort of depends on what what pushes your buttons really Um, Samsung tend to have a a huge press conference and it is very very well uh, attended happens on the um, the, the Monday, the, the press day, sort of pre um, 
free the main show opening uh, during the day, and then Sony have theirs uh, later on the day at their stand, and and you know both of them have operated that um, that style with with their events for some time. Um, certainly, you know Samsung as as they've attracted more attention over the last few years, uh, you know, massively grown to you know a really really big. Uh, big room, massive, you know, stage and so on for uh, for their event. Uh, Sony, I, I, I would, yeah, wouldn't know the numbers exactly, but she don't attract quite as much attention. Uh, but they should usually show off some pretty cool stuff. So um, maybe we start with them. Uh, now they're they've actually announced some smartphones here at at, uh, at CES, which is reasonably unusual it tend to be other times of of year that smartphones uh, get announced such as mobile world congress um it's in uh, barcelona spain uh but they've announced the um xa2 and xa2 ultra uh what else there was the uh xperia air which is is not actually a i guess a uh, full announcements as as such because they were showing off uh, a prototype some pretty interesting headphones um the camera that um that that we talked about uh michael was that the rxo um abo the smart dog uh and also some noise cancelling uh waterproof sports headphones um Steve, what were the things that stood out for you out of those um, those products that they they announced? Yeah, well, the Xperia Air headphones, um, which were a prototype, they were very interesting. So they called them an open ear headphone, and without um, you probably need to Google them to. It's a little bit hard to describe what they were like. They sort of they set the the main unit actually sat under your ear. And the behind your ear, yeah, sorry, yeah, sort of under behind, yeah, sort of under and behind your ear. And so, the actual earpiece itself sat in the ear opening, so it didn't actually go into the um ear canal, so it was exposing you, you were hearing the music, and the, the audio quality was great, but it wasn't actually um blocking your ear, so you could hear ambient noise from um from people nearby or outside um, sounds as well. so A little bit like you know, a typical scenario where you're in a, a working space and there's some speakers and you're, you're listening, everyone's listening to the same, but you can also have conversations and so on. So it's kind of in that yeah. type of scenario where you can the interact of, well, but yeah. The opposite of having noise cancelling where you don't want to uh, hear everybody else around you. <laughs> That's right. But That's they, right. Were, they also had uh, some pretty cool gesture movements as well. You could uh, go forward and back along tracks just by sort of flicking your head to one side um so and and they're, they're designed to tie in with their um sort of smart assistant type uh technology and one of the things they can do is for instance read text messages to you so and just you know i you know this is still a prototype so they weren't able to confirm all you know all the details and what will happen uh, yeah, if and when these do get publicly launched, but they look like a product that was pretty much ready to uh, ready to launch. I wouldn't imagine there's maybe too much more to do other than on the software front, uh, and that can take some time. But yeah, for instance, alert you to a text message and ask you if you want to listen, and then you know maybe you nod your head or something to uh, to have it read you the text message. 
the gestures were kind of interesting. So you could flick your head to the to the left uh, for a track to go. You know, if you're listening to some music, to go back a track, uh, your playlist, or flick your head to the right uh, reasonably quickly. Uh, it would go to the next track, uh, and then you, yeah, you have some uh, gestures on the actual um, on the side of the. Uh, the um, the headphones as as well for sort of volume up and pause and 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 the like right so it, it seems um, certainly different for what anyone else is uh, is doing out there yeah and they also had their uh, noise cancelling the sport headphones as well which they're claiming are the world's first uh, noise cancelling waterproof sport headphones so. Seems to have been quite a few um, vendors sort of, I guess the days of having your headband on your Bluetooth headphones is uh, coming to an end with everybody going for the sort of mini in-ear units these days. Um, Jabra also launched some new models today which I had a play with last night which looked pretty cool as well. So if you're into the, um, yeah, the whole headphone market seems to certainly be getting a lot of interest this year particularly with everybody uh, incorporating google assistant into that as well yeah um there's certainly a uh, just so much going on around the assistance isn't there sort of everywhere that you uh, everywhere that you look at ces and um and a lot of yeah a lot of a lot of tie-ins Yes, and the other thing Sony were, um, which was quite impressive to see as well, was their um, new TV. So they had a prototype there of a 8K um, panel, which is 10,000 nits, which is the um, brightness bright. of the panels. It was just they, they had it. They were actually showing it next to one of their high-end um, current, um, current models, and the difference was just unbelievable. So that's the brightest TV currently available and they also showed off their oleds as well which um obviously lg are making the oled panels for both panasonic and sony and certainly last year with the 2017 models most people regarded the panasonics and the sony's as actually being better tvs than the lg's with the Despite the fact they were the same panels, both Sony and Panasonic put a lot of effort into the um, processing chips inside the TV, which seemed to make all the all the difference. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. and Sony have also put a lot of focus as well, just looking at their, their new models this year um, on audio as well, where you seem to have... For a few years now, where TV vendors seem to have put smaller and smaller speakers on the TVs, probably so you were forced to spend another five hundred dollars on a sound bar. But uh, putting speakers back into TVs so they sound good seems to uh, be something that they're looking at doing again. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've they've got the one where where the actual you know screen itself is uh, is a speaker, and they had quite a good uh, you know demonstration of how that that technology worked which was uh it's, it's pretty uh pretty pretty impressive they've got a new generation of that that yeah uh, we even they were announcing uh today as well yeah well even last year's um sony oleds even in the new zealand market um the, um the, the audio quality of those um i would 
I mean, obviously haven't tried every TV on the market, but uh, certainly the audio quality in those, if you don't want to be running an external soundbar, um, is probably some of the best you'll get out of a TV at the moment. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they're uh, they're, they're getting some results out of their uh, their efforts in that space, and uh, yeah, I think it's a, it is. Um, a pretty competitive space, the TV space now, and really every vendor needs to differentiate in in some way to uh, to stand out. Now, Michael, what were the what were the standouts for for you? Now we both spent a bit of time looking at um, Abo, the smart dog. Yes, um, you, you seem quite enamoured. In fact, we were walking walking away afterwards, and I shot a little video I put up on Facebook and. Um, um, did you confide in me that uh, you'd actually quite like to have one? Uh, yes, I would actually quite like to have one. So I'm basically in a flat which can't have any pets or anything like that. I do miss having a dog or cat or something like nearby. Yeah. Um, the Abo was actually quite interesting just in the sense it was actually quite natural and pretty much emulating what a dog was like. Um, basically, it will listen to voice commands and all that with you. Like they couldn't give a proper demo there. Just it was too much noise, noise wasn't there. Yeah. And anyone that watched the, watched what I put up on Facebook will, um, yeah, will recognise that you had some frustrated sort of um, uh, not owners, but yeah, product manager or whatever they were trying to trying to show it off. And you know, of course, repetition doesn't doesn't work with technology. It doesn't hear you the first time. Oh uh, yes. probably probably isn't going to hear you the second time. You don't just raise your voice. But, uh, but it looked really cool, right? It did, and something fun. quite interesting as well was, um, for example, I saw the Abo actually going up to its owners um, quite a few times, um, you know, for pets and all that sort of stuff. It was just all quite natural of how it all worked. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it develops. They've launched it initially in just the Japanese market. They're going to expend, extending it to the US. I think uh, it was around. Uh, seventeen or close to two thousand US sound will like the launch price will be uh, here, and in terms of you know other markets like New Zealand, we don't really know too much. Um, one thing that that was kind of curious, and obviously they've put a lot into playing around with with the uh, AI and and trying to uh, develop this this next generation because the the Abo, I think the first one was. 1999 or something 1999 yes they first brought it out but one of the things they were talking about is if you've got a family it gets to know each each person um but it gets a it gets to have favorites so based maybe well you know on the person that spends the most time with it that person may well become the favorite and so if it's an environment where you know, there are multiple people saying, so oh, come here, come to me, then it's going to uh, maybe, maybe favour uh, one person over the other. Definitely the person that feeds up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only uh, problem I see is your pet needs a battery and you need to recharge it. So <laughs> ah, too bad if you want any pet time and it's flat. Yeah, yeah, but it auto goes and finds the charger um, and puts itself on charge at an appropriate time. So um, that's nice. If all of our gadgets could figure out hey it's you know i'm getting a little bit low and go and you know it's like going getting a a snack out of the fridge or out of the pantry or something if they they could actually all do that that would be uh, that'd be pretty good right so there 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 is one thing there that i think um and of course we see that in other things uh you know as as well these uh, robotic vacuums and 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 the like but um yeah more more of that the better or uh, better wireless charging that um you know doesn't fry us but can charge anything in the room would be nice. 
Um, anything else that sort of really um, jumped out to you there, Michael? Um, I did really like the RX Zero as well. Um, so basically, they're in a way they're a small uh, sport camera. Um, the thing that I actually did quite like about it as well, they do sell an accessory which allows you to link multiple cameras together um, to do kind of a 360 shot or um, something along those lines. So you can kind of customise your camera to a degree to you know, be something totally different. Yeah, that was really... Something. I mean, some of the footage they showed off was obviously at sort of the extreme level, but um, people may remember the sort of the, the motion um, capture that were, that was done... Um, what was the, what's the movie I'm oh, trying to say? The Matrix, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, and they showed that this sort of you know, capture would would be possible with these cameras because you can link up to a hundred of them together. Now yes. that's going to cost you a lot of money at eight hundred US dollars. I think is the the price they launched them at into the market. It's going to be uh, yeah a lot a lot of coin. But uh, look, these these look like. Uh, yeah, pretty high end pretty pretty capable cameras and the fact that all of those things are controlled and synchronized together uh, sounds pretty powerful but for the likes of let's say where to workshop or something like that it will be extremely useful for them to have pretty much a portable rig they can carry around um, to do all those you know interesting kinds of shots as well mm-hmm. no definitely good stuff there now on to uh, on to samsung lots and lots of announcements from uh, from from Samsung uh, today, uh, their drive lo- uh, line autonomous car platform, uh, the modular TV. Now, this looks pretty fascinating. This idea that you can basically put modules together to get whatever sort of size uh, TV that you want, up to 146 inches, and yeah, potentially different uh, different form factors as well. So it doesn't you know have to be uh, standard sort of aspect ratios. Quite a few possibilities here. Now we don't know pricing yet. I imagine this is not going to be uh, low end technology. Uh, but the idea of actually being able to you know, connect these modules together, you know, very seamlessly by the looks of it, and uh, and and create. Uh, what you want in terms of uh, uh, video screen looks uh, looks rather nice. Um, they also talked quite a bit around um, AI and uh, smart assistant technology. Their uh, Bixby, which of course we've got and we've had, you know, this uh, this last year uh, being built into uh, into their smartphones, uh, now being built into. Um, into the TVs, um, smart things, which is sort of their um, uh, their their platform for smart devices and in, in the homes, they really seem to be moving forward uh, with that and um, and tying a lot of things together. Now, I heard about their fridge announcement, and I guess I've got to say, when I heard more technology going into fridges, it wasn't something that got me uh, too excited <laughs> because. Yeah, we were talking about TVs before and integrating technology into TVs and and so on and how that stuff dates and that would be my concern. But there were some quite cool things and and there, yeah, the the one little bit that I thought was was um, was quite n- nice was the integration with the Ring uh, doorbell and I imagine this is part of their Smart Things uh, integrations. Was uh, they showed where somebody's you know uh, pressing the doorbell. 
and somebody's in the kitchen and the video feed from the ring doorbell appearing immediately on uh, on their fridge which i thought oh, that's that's kind of, that's kind of nice um obviously only relevant when you're actually in the fridge or near in the kitchen and near the near the fridge um and then their uh, their big uh, sort of whiteboard TV, which is is coming in at, and touchscreen uh, type whiteboard TV, uh, coming in at, at US twenty seven hundred dollars. I think it's their uh, their starting point there, which puts it in a pretty competitive place against what Microsoft and uh, and Google are doing. So lot, lots of uh, lots of announcements there, um, Michael. What were the what were the things that sort of uh, sparked your interest? Any, any comments there on things that you liked or uh, or disliked? I did actually see the modular TV um, did actually look pretty neat myself. Yeah. Sorry, we just we just uh, just had a phone shoved into my face here by Steve <laughs> and uh, got a message that's come through from uh, Intel and they're avoiding, inviting us to join them at the Bellagio Fountains, which of course very famous in Las Vegas. Um, yeah, everyone will have, will have seen a video of. Uh, uh, these founders, and they're saying for a 250 drone Intel light show, um, head down now to the Bellagio to see the show. Um, so we're going to have to move this thing along because I think there might be a little bit of interest in uh, uh, in seeing the show. I'm not sure we can see it out if we're going to be able to see it out the window, but uh, that sounds uh, sounds pretty impressive. Um, but Michael, back to uh, back to you. Sorry, um, what were you what were you saying there? Um, yes, I was actually quite interested, especially in the modular TV, um, because again, with the whole flashing situation as well, it is quite hard to fit you know, a specific TV in the house and make it as large as possible. Um, whereas with the modular TV, for me, it will be absolutely great because I can pretty much glue these panels to the wall and make them exactly the size I want. Um, but again, going on the fridge sort of thing as well, um, it would be quite neat if, for example, they made the fridge pretty much upgradable in a way um, with their um, processors and all that sort of stuff in them um, just that way they don't go out of date so quickly but I did especially like the whole ring doorbell integration and, and smarter things integration as well yeah and and presumably that's going to work across the TV as well in fact they showed an example uh, you know what either you're watching a sports game or something but being being a little bit hungry and being able to tap in and actually see a feed or a you know an image from the last time maybe the fridge door was opened of exactly what's in the uh, what's in the fridge you can kind of see what's in there and you know, oh, yeah we don't have much in there it's um, uh, it's not quite what we want so you know then go online and you know play, place an order for food delivery or something but it's a quite nice time and and I imagine that ring doorbell uh, would probably work through you know TV as well where you know someone rings your doorbell you have, you know your TVZ you can have that pop up and uh, uh, allow you to interact with um, with the person at the door as well yes definitely so what's everybody's view obviously Samsung have um, gone for Bixby whereas every other vendor is going for Alexa or Google Assistant I obviously haven't used a Samsung phone for a couple of years now but uh, what what are people's views on Bixby like performance wise how does it compare well I mean Bixby started out as as not a not a voice based uh, assistant and you know they've been they've been developing it and obviously you know Samsung have got uh, they've got pretty deep pockets as far as research and development 
goes, and they're trying to build out uh, you know a lot of their sort of AI smarts to not just be in their products, but to you know for partnerships and to license to others and so on as well. Um, so I imagine this stuff's going to get pretty good over uh, over time, but there there is that challenge if we have too many different platforms and yeah you've got uh microsoft they're uh trying to trying to do their thing as well um and we've got we've got these these assistants being built into more and more uh devices being added to laptops now as well um so they sort of you know come 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 bundled in with with the os so yeah it's it's i think it's going to be a pretty competitive space for the next little while this is i think very much a um a, a key decision for Samsung in terms of whether they jump in with the other vendors, with Google, with Amazon, or whether they uh, they try and carve out a slice of the market for themselves. And um, yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's a really hard one to know whether they can actually. Uh, whether they can actually pull it off, I you know I don't imagine it's going to be uh, going to be too too easy for them because would their competitors license this technology? Well, Whereas I, their competitors are going to be going you know and and already are are announcing uh, partnerships and integrations, um, you know, with Google and with um, um, with Google Assistant and with um, Amazon Alexa, so um, yeah, yeah you, I think you, that's the key you, thing. You, you have some challenge there. They're going to have to you have to work very very hard. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key. That um, why would any other vendor be wanting to license Samsung's technology when a uh, few of them aren't particular fans of Samsung? <laughs> well, it, but you know, I the, guess we've also got. Apple do a similar thing, right? So you know, Apple tend to create their own their own things, and Samsung have a massive you know a massive dominance in in uh, in the market, and you know it's quite possible that they can uh, build build their own ecosystem here. You know, we're not talking about a small uh, you know a, a small player, uh, but whether whether we will see them also um, end up offering support for. Uh, competitors' assistance. I, you know, of course, you've you've got uh, you've got those choices from from yeah, a bunch of others. So you, you've got to imagine over time if they don't get the dominance they expect, uh, or if they find that they're losing sales of TV because they don't work with uh, with other stuff, then they would have a problem. But yeah, I think uh, partly where the smart things uh, technology comes into play is I think that may well allow. Uh, interactions with these other platforms anyway because that's designed to be you know, reasonably open. Yes, well, they have had the SmartThings Hub, um, which has been, well, released in the US for quite a while now. Um, so the SmartThings Hub actually integrates with a lot of other products out there, you know, pretty much, for example, like the Ring Doorbell, um, you've got Smart Locks and a whole lot of other stuff on top of it as well. Um, so I think the whole SmartThings kind of, you know, built into TVs and all that is expanding on the Smart Things Hub as well. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely some um, uh, some exciting exciting stuff ahead. And look, competition is good. It's going to push these things along. Um, yeah, hopefully we don't all end up with too many products that don't work with other products. But that is a, a big issue in the um, 
uh, yeah, smart home world at the moment. I, you know, I think is that not everything works with with everything else, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, now, anything else either you wanted to sort of comment on there from um, the Samsung uh, perspective? It sort of took your took your interest. Um, there's certainly there's certainly a lot there, and you know, I encourage people that are interested to go you know go online. There's a lot of news articles and uh, content that dives into uh, more detail. Um, also uh, today, I was on um, Tom Merritt's daily uh, tech news show, uh, which of course is is one of the um, uh, two most popular um, daily shows on. Uh, on on tech news in the world and we dived into a bunch of topics on there as well and they're going to be releasing episodes through the week so every every day um this week if you if you're interested in going a little bit uh, deeper um there's definitely an excellent um well show to we're probably not so much getting too deep on that show but certainly a lot of uh, breadth of of a lot of the announcements this week now a few other bits and pieces that we should uh we should mention uh autonomous uh cars lots going on uh announcements really from everywhere you look um toyota unveiling their vision for sort of uh autonomous um vehicle use from a business perspective uh, with ePallet, there's a whole lot we could uh, we could dive into uh, there. You know, concepts around um, use of yeah of of autonomous vehicles in, in business type uh, type settings. One of those was a uh, a portable hotel room, portable accommodation, which sounded kind of interesting. Um, I guess my thought on that was, and you know, I haven't seen all the all the detail on it, but uh, look, if you could have a um, Uber come and pick you up from uh, uh, home and uh, drive you to uh, to your destination, another town, while you're sleeping, and you don't have to deal with airports and queues and things like that. Um, that could be kind of interesting, depending on how the economics on it uh, add up. But th- there's there's certainly all sorts of uh, all sorts of possibilities, and it's just good to see um, some new ideas. And there's certainly lots of new ideas around at at CES. Uh, Nvidia uh, they seem to be going from strength to strength with their o- autonomous car technology. Lots of partnerships uh, that they were they were talking up. Um, they, I think they mentioned Uber, uh, Baidu, Volkswagen, um, you know, um, amongst others. Uh, Lyft and Active doing a, um, a sort of a, a demonstration for uh, for people that are at CES, able to basically uh, take an autonomous car ride or autonomous car journey. Uh, and then there's the autonomous uh, shuttles that are. Um, uh, that are on the on the roads here in uh, in Las Vegas that have been running for um, I think probably for a, for a couple of months. So um, lots on the autonomous car front. Um, anything that that jumped out for for either of you on the autonomous front, other than the fact that it, it's just we we every year at CES we're seeing more of it and it, it seems to be getting a little bit realer, um, you know, and closer each time to sort of being being something that's that's real yeah it's not something i've sort of followed too closely uh since i've been here i guess we'll see a lot in the next few days at the show um 
but yeah, it's safe to say that the 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 technology is certainly evolving very very quickly, and obviously every car manufacturer now is in that space. Um, so it's yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see where we are in a couple of years' time, and I guess the the focus too seems to have, oh, and all the talk has really been about autonomous. You'd almost sort of forget about the electric car ish or the the whole market for electric cars at the moment. That seems to have, um, I guess, um, not where the the excitement is. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's sort of just a, a given that that's where we're heading, and um, that's going to you happen. Know, that that you know the uh, traditional um, you know combustion engine based cars are um, you know don't have too too long a uh, life ahead of them. Um, yeah, and I mean, uh, Samsung, of course, and Sony, they both had announcements around. Um, autonomous vehicles. Um, Samsung talked about Driveline, uh, which is referred to as a hardware and a software uh, platform uh, that enables uh, car makers to, um, you know, create their own uh, advanced autonomous vehicles and, you know, very very flexible platform. All all, all sorts of uh, possibilities there. Um, Sony gave us some demonstrations or and and showed us. Um, some bits and pieces to do with their imaging technology and their cameras that will uh, will allow an autonomous vehicle to see things uh, that you might not be able to see with your you know your naked eye and uh, you know one of those was an example sort of going into a uh, a vehicle going into a, a dark tunnel uh, and in fact we just we just did that at uh, Zion National Park um, a, w- a week or so ago and it was an unlit tunnel so it was completely pitch black um, tunnel and the vehicle the rental vehicle we were in it didn't have you know that great headlights uh, but this was demonstrating the you know the ability for their uh, uh, their cameras to be able to see and, and pick things up you might not see with your with your own eyes and also a camera that can you know read signs and pick up things in the distance that you might not be able to read yourself as well so there's there's really lots and lots of innovation uh, going on in in the space and then uh, one of the things from in uh, Nvidia with their uh, their tech was this idea of uh, augmented reality in the vehicle so you might be looking through your your uh, your windscreen and then have things that are highlighted in your view that are maybe in the in the distance as you're looking at something and it might uh, you know put a marker on on something uh, that you need to be aware of from a safety perspective or, or otherwise uh, or you know in the future when you don't have to drive at all um, you know, putting entertainment and stuff into uh, um, you know there's lots lots of glass in your car and you can maybe uh, replace that outside view with um, with watching something so just uh, while on the issue of autonomous vehicles, I'm just reading up to uh, at the Intel keynote tonight. Uh, they demonstrated the Volocopter on stage, which is, um, to, to describe what it is, it's the first manned, fully electric, safe, vertical takeoff landing, basically, drone in the world. So essentially it's a uh, drone that a person can sit in, um, or sorry, not a drone, a multi-rotator helicopter is uh, what they describe it as. 
So um, that actually took, I mean, it first had its first flight in 2013, but it uh, was actually demonstrated tonight inside um, at the Intel keynote. So Wow. So that was, that was your, your guys' other choice for the, uh, for the evening, other than podcasting with me, <laughs> um, was to be doing that. I'm not going to ask you right now how you feel, because that, uh, that sounds... Uh, Sounds uh, pretty cool. It's a, it is a crazy looking, uh, crazy looking thing. It's got so many rotors on it. It's uh, uh, massive, and uh, yeah. But as long as the uh, the software doesn't crash and everything else works, then that could well be our future, right? Well, until there's ten thousand of them in the air and there's traffic congestion in the airspace. Well, the software the software's getting uh, getting pretty pretty good at. Uh, uh, detecting with lidars and all these other bits and pieces, you're not going to hit somewhere else. But um, yeah, that all comes down to all of it working and uh, working really consistently. Well, I guess the interesting thing is with something on like that actually hitting the market, where you look at um, Martin Jetpack in New Zealand, who essentially spent huge amounts of money and what was it like 20 years building a personal jetpack, whereas um, and have obviously struggled financially to find a buyer because the i guess they've finally perfected a product which is now actually obsolete once they've actually perfected it yeah not uh not ideal now lots of other things uh at cs we may cover some of these off uh in the next uh next episode uh we've seen announcements around um, the new Wi-Fi standard, which hasn't been finalised yet, uh, but 802.11ax, um, you know, crazy names that they have for these things that don't mean much to uh, to most people, but we'll get used to that. Uh, we'll get used to that. And uh, look, there's, there's some really good stuff uh, around this new standard. And once that gets ratified, even better. But you know, I think it's still good to see some some of the first uh, products around that. Although there's not a not a complete uh, ecosystem, we're just seeing some uh, some routers that have the technology included. And I don't think there's um, uh, the ability to connect your PC in uh, to these new things yet because we don't have uh, uh, the network wireless network adapters to uh, to utilize it. But yeah interesting all the same um whole bunch of things shown off at the um unveiled event that ces themselves put on of course there's l- there's lots of events all over vegas over this week and some of them are, are you know officially run by ces some of them are run by third parties um, and we might dive into some of those next week because I think we're, we're pretty much out of time. Uh, but there were some smart shoes that were interesting. There was the Ford X uh, suitcase, which I think um, did um, did that crash for you, Michael? Did you or you know did you see the software on that failing or something? Well, I did actually witness um, when I was just kind of having a look at it. The suitcase itself actually had a little bit of a software malfunction and pretty much just stopped working and stopped following anyone. They had to end up picking it up, returning it back to the base and, you know, just pretty much giving it a reboot. Now, you probably don't want that happening in an airport or anything similar, so... No, but that's that's sort of par for the course with a lot of these things that you see and, and you know, the nature of that event called Unveiled, it's, you know, it's unveiling, it's often early on. Uh, you're often seeing products that aren't quite ready for launch yet, or they may be six or twelve months out sometimes. So, yeah, that's all part of it. But yeah, if you want a suitcase that can follow you, it needs to, it does need to be uh, needs to be reliable. And uh, I don't per- think anybody's really asked the airlines yet what they think of uh, 
more devices with lithium batteries that, flying in the cabin. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's uh, it's kind of a curious one. I'm not sure if anyone's really looking for that right now. Um, but maybe if you carry lots of bags or something, it would be you know nice to have them just following uh following you behind behind you um as though you're like some sort of pipe piper. Um, but yeah, a bunch more a bunch more stuff there. So we we may dive into some of those over uh, over future episodes. Um, but that's it for uh, for this episode. So thanks everybody for uh, for listening in to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, the other podcast that I think I'll be on, um, if I make it there in uh, in time, um, it will be the Mobile Tech Podcast, uh, which is published by WorldPodcast.com and hosted by Miriam Joie. Um, and that is actually a really cool show. And uh, you know, if you haven't listened in yet, well worth a listen. And regularly features really the top journalists in the world that are focused on uh, on mobile devices. So yeah, people from the lights of Engadget and The Verge and um, yeah, all all sorts of places, Twit and whatnot. So uh, yeah, that one's well well worth a listen. You can check that one out at mobiletechpodcast dot com. Um, now, guys, where do we uh, where do we track you both down online, other than uh, lurking and posting and moderating on uh, on Geek Zone? You both seem to be reasonably active on on Twitter as well. Yeah, you can get me at Espiddle on Twitter, and I'm yeah fairly frequent tweeter. And you can actually find me on Twitter as well. Um, my handle's um, Michael Murphy, spelt intentionally incorrect as M-U-R-F-Y is the last name. Um, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. However, just look for the Taylor Swift image. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, well, uh, thanks very much. Thanks, everybody, for uh, for joining us. Welcome to 2018. Uh, there will be lots of exciting uh, stuff ahead. And, look, we'll, uh, we'll certainly have more content coming that relates to... Uh, uh, relates to announcements here at, uh, at at CES, and if you've got any suggestions, any feedback for the show, then uh, most welcome to uh, uh, to email me. You fill out the contact form on my website, paulspain.com. Oh, and it would be remiss of me not to mention Gorilla Technology, Sony and Samsung, uh, who have provided the financial support for this particular trip, so thank you very much. Um, and also I should mention Process Street uh, for sponsoring New Zealand Tech podcast and that is the tool to use if you're wanting to capture your business processes so that you get more consistent results across your organization and you can share the workload around very very cool tool more about that how to get ongoing uh, discount at nztechpodcast.com slash process street all right thank you bye the new zealand tech podcast Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.